Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Dedicated to Henry Farman. In the year of the prime of Well, 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 episode 138 of Agitators Anonymous. I'm Alan Averill, your hostest with the leastest. Apologies for the short and small delay in the release of the podcast today, Friday, December the 16th, the year of 2022. Um, I've had some technical difficulties, mainly within my brain, but nothing a copious amount of caffeine may fix. You can follow me on Instagram, nemtiang underscore primordial, primordial underscore official, um, all that kind of thing. You'll probably notice if you do follow the band over there that we have started to write finally the new primordial album, which should come out next year. Um, so if you want updates and various bits and pieces, information about that, um, the odd, rather boring and mundane, but vaguely exciting video, then, yep, that's the place to go and see them over on Instagram. If you wish to support the show, patreon.com slash Alan Other videos, other chats, other discussions, other podcasts, some rehearsals, some things that people have never heard before, all that kind of thing is over there. Now, I've wondered about the wisdom of this particular podcast, but some people said to me, they DM'd me, they slid into my DMs and said, go on, give us a bit of social commentary. Give us a bit of cranky, angry, old man shouts at clouds, social commentary. And, you know, last week was, you know, Nazis on speed, stuff about meth and pervertan, and the random nature of Agitators Anonymous, also, the clue is in the name, Agitators Anonymous. Um, I decided, well, why not wheel out some social commentary? So this podcast is going to be a bit about Elon Musk, about other things like that, what's happening at Twitter, um, which, judging by the mainstream reaction to the Twitter files, is nothing to see here at all. They've barely commented on it at all. Um that's something I'm going to get into, but maybe it's been a kind of slow month and maybe we all start to slowly run out of steam as the weather gets a bit colder. We eat a bit more calories and carbs if we are able to and feel a bit laconic and lazy and despondent. 
a slough of despond. Well, indeed, in truth, I've been neglecting the interview side of the podcast. Um, I can admit that, and I did promise some new and interesting people, so I better get the finger out and do it, right? So some contacts, um, they didn't quite work out, but I'm going to get back on that and have some interesting people. Um, Now is not really the time of year. Um, I'm going to put out a couple of top 10s, you know, top 10, top 13 albums of the year. I've got a podcast about punk rock, about when punk rock went bad and made bad metal albums, but maybe the top 13 uh, punk rock records of all time. My judgment of that, I couldn't, of course, compile the list on my own because it would be, um, you know, I need some expert advice. The same with goth. I may consult some um, some goths. I may, uh, you know, poke their soft underbellies and uh, bring them down from the attic where they've been feasting on cobwebs for however long and give them a good solid meal and go, what are the top 10 or the top 13, as the case may be, goth albums of all time. These things are coming soon. I have noticed um, that top 10s seem to do better in the statistical uh, analysis, which um, I'm quite interested in, which obviously tells me that's what people uh, also kind of like. Nothing like a good old list. Oddly enough, they do sometimes better than what I thought were maybe more interesting discussions about the future of AI, altering music and creativity, all that kind of thing. But aren't we all suckers for a good list? So the next one will be, I think, my albums of the year in no particular order. Um, But we do love a good list. When I was a kid, we're talking about 10 years old, um, maybe 11, I'm not sure. Um, I was for a year or two really into American football. Um, the Chicago Bears, 1986, 46-10 against the New England Patriots. There you are. There's an off the top of my head. Rem- remembrance of um, numbers from my childhood for all you American listeners. I even had a Walter Payton shirt, number 36, if I'm not incorrect. If you know what I'm talking about, then yes, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. But what I loved about it before I grew up and found uh, American football to be interminably long and boring Um, was the amount of statistics. So I used to buy those end-of-year stats books, take the fixtures from the following year, all of them with all of the teams, and project the scores. I would, um, you know, think, well, what is the, you know, the New York Jets versus the Buffalo Bills or whatever the, you know, the game was. And I would think about who would win. And then I would project the statistics for the next year, which included like running back stats, quarterback stats, receiving all sorts of stats. And then I would write my own end of year book before that year had happened. Does it make any sense? And calculate the percentages I was out every year. Yep. I would love a good top 10, believe me. Maybe that's actually my wheelhouse. I should have been a statistician. Um you know, maybe that's my wheelhouse. I should have stayed there. Either that or that's my autism speaking. I kid. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, it would certainly make things a bit easier. And I promise to do a couple of top 10s, top 13s, top something or other. Anyway, what are we going to talk about? It does feel, that, like I said, this is going to be a bit more social commentary. So if you usually listen to this for some heavy metal randomness, you might not appreciate this the tone of this particular podcast you might appreciate it a lot i don't know or maybe you know use it to your advantage if you know somebody who would dislike it you know send it to them as a link um but it really does feel sometimes like we're living in some sort of clown world though right that's an oft-used phrase but 
what we are given is in, in a news cycle. I think most of this stems from social media. Someone asked me something about Andrew Tate the other day. How is he so big? Now, if you're lucky enough to not know who Andrew, Andrew Tate is, keep it that way. But part of the reason is that social media amplifies um, the worst of our traits, the fringe elements, the rather the loudest, the most obnoxious, as no one really cares about detail or making a reasonable point or holding the middle ground. It's not sexy or juicy enough. It doesn't get enough eyeballs or clicks. Um, I'll get to a few comments about Satan later in the episode because we do love a bit of Satan here on a heavy metal podcast. But watching him discuss Satanism and how this feeds into the QAnon vision of looking at the world um, yeah, it's kind of brain-breaking, but he seems like an avatar for the worst elements of our social behavior, because this is sadly what we want. We want this juicy, salacious entertainment um, that's peaked within our grey matter by the most extreme views. Not you, my dear friends, but the body of society, it seems to me, are suffering from such inertia. Care so little about the contradictions we are served of one minute to the next and told to stay quietly in our seat. So this is our entertainment. The main course is coming soon and it's just going to be more obnoxious, more despairing and extreme than the last. I was talking to a friend the other day. Isn't it terrible what's happening in China? Oh yes, it's terrible. Someone I met the other day in a bar said to me and I said, you mean lockdown? As it transpires over the conversation and a sage interjection from a mutual friend who I sensed didn't like said person and wanted to use me as a sharp object to poke them with. Um, mission accepted. I hold my hand up. I, I will be uh, the sharp end of that stick. Um, I mean, as it turned out, I said, the thing you supported a year ago? Um, yeah, I suppose. As if we're all supposed to have quietly forgotten how sections of the society we live in were quite happy for the states they live in to separate society, pursue ridiculous 0% strategies that we can now see make no sense. And, um, you know, countries within the West openly discussing building camps for the unvaxxed. I say to her, well, that was you a year ago, maybe even nine months ago. Well, uh, not quite. Well, yeah, kind of. It, it kind of was you. And now it's all about the brave freedom fighters in China. That was not the narrative just a year ago. But people want to forget. They want to stop being reminded of those things. But the whiplash from the cognitive dissonance is so jarring that someone can casually state that and then shrug their shoulders and go back to whatever is the new thing on Instagram after it's pointed out to them. A world with no consistency where doubling down on what is clearly a lie is a virtue. Or you just go, eh, well, pfft, that was nine months ago. Um, and giving an inch to anyone with a different point of view um, means, you know, you accept only a cartoon, uh, an extreme caricature of their views, the Andrew Tatism of, of all point, viewpoints, whatever. Maybe that doesn't make entire sense, but you see what I mean. The middle ground is completely obliterated. We must assume only the worst faith interpretation of what anyone says. But if you point out to somebody like, well, I think that's where you were standing a year ago. They don't, there's no act of contrition where they go, yeah, you might have a point. They just go, meh. Yeah. Yeah, Alan. Stop being so annoying. The demise of journalism, of course, is one aspect. And hey, to continue my podcast thread about AI, did you know there's already an app called Jasper? It's basically, you may not know it, but you've probably encountered it already. Um, it's basically a writing language composing AI. So if journalism is dead, as we knew it, 
along with our, you know, shared concepts of news narratives. Soon enough, if not already, your news feel your news feed will be filled with articles and stories written by bots. With of course a pre-programmed agenda. Is your brain broken yet? Anyway, to the main body of this podcast, have you noticed how little the mainstream media is covering the Twitter files? Elon Musk, you must know who he is, um, as you know, bought Twitter and has been releasing the internal memos um, of that company and their methods for shadow banning, blacklisting and cancelling. Yes, indeed. Cancel culture. Perfect example. If you look at the Twitter files of cancel culture and the obvious fact that it exists here, it was in conjunction hand in hand with instructions from the FBI and government. But conservative, centrist or right-wing voices, um, amongst uh, some left-wing voices, but a kind of random mixture, but very heavily leaned to one side of the political spectrum. Uh, Twitter was basically pressing their thumb on the scales and not allowing certain voices to be heard, especially during COVID pandemic time. They would lean heavily on instruction from, um, you know, the, the WHO... Um, and the sort of Fauci um, agenda, let's say. Um, And so Elon released um, some of these Twitter files through Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss, uh, without a doubt, especially Taibbi, one of the best modern journalists. I followed him for a long time, um, and you should read his Substack, uh, which is, I guess, his sort of um, subscriber-only content. But he wrote an amazing book breaking down the financial crisis in 2008. Certainly not a right-wing voice, but of course, painted as such by the mainstream media now because he's releasing these files. Uh, normally, this is kind of seems to be what happens lately is that um, rather than just, you know, address the content, you um, only address, you know, or criticize or castigate or cast aspersions on the person who has been doing the releasing of said files. You don't address the content, um, you know, and I sent them to a friend, a progressive friend who argued with me. Um, you know, a couple of years ago. Well, Twitter is an independent company. They can do what they want. I mean, the normal argument that ends in, um, well, start your own platform. Well, someone did, so to speak. Uh, Elon bought it. And, you know, apparently this is somehow akin to Hitler in the beer hall putsch. They, of course, don't want to hear about some of the companies that owned it before. If you dig down, you will find that... Um, munitions companies who've been selling weapons had percentages in Twitter. Yeah, apparently so. Deep state munitions companies, right. So they are preferable to someone who, although confusing to get a handle on, I must find, uh, I find Elon Musk a bit confusing, Um, you know. And to be fair, um, you must also say that he has... Um, you know, um, companies in China and he has ties to funding from sources that are also worth casting an eye over. I'm not giving the guy a free pass, but he certainly seems to have a commitment to free speech, you know, which is, of course, one of the uh, main tenets of this small, tiny, minute podcast, but something that I've always uh, been in support of, the idea, the principle. So what you realize is that the free speech argument only really goes one way. The progressives I talked to about it were fine when Twitter, and this is what the files clearly show, um, the files clearly show that they had a clear bias towards them and their interests and banned people from the opposite. So basically, it's just a kind of a show trial, a pantomime. Fine to support freedom of speech when it only suits you. But of course, that isn't freedom of speech. 
that's a kind of form of authoritarianism or authoritarian thinking, really. And it clearly shows that Twitter was working hand in glove with the US government, the FBI. So not really an independent company then if they're working hand in hand with the state, the instruments of the state. That argument now clearly doesn't make sense. Now, why does this matter? Well, maybe it doesn't matter to you. Maybe you just want to discuss the new Metallica single, which was pretty okay, actually. Don't like the drum sound, but not bad. But isn't it a song a bit like pre-Kill em All, where Metallica got to before they found that thrash tone? A lot of Diamond Head, a bit of Angel Witch. Anyway, why does the, all of this matter, the Twitter files? And if you'd be looking at the BBC, or in our case in Ireland, the Irish Times, and they're basically just ignoring it. But... But why does it matter? I, I mean, it, I think that because Twitter, for better or for worse, and mainly for worse, um, I mean, to me at least, the best thing Elon could do to serve the world would be to just delete it completely. But Twitter is the town square. Um, and if you believe in democracy and freedom of speech, you believe that the square should be open to all. And you should defend the rights of those you disagree with to stand on their soapbox and raise their voices. Twitter had a clear bias, and this is being exposed. Um, to a degree, of course, ignored by the mainstream media who shared the bias that Twitter had previously. But it's not being written about extensively because by and large, as I said, the lame mainstream media, I almost said lamestream media. Wow. <laughs> Freud. Um, get him on the phone. Uh, which leans the same way Twitter once did, now has Elon as an enemy in promoting dangerous ideas. Everything is dangerous, such as the freedom for the opposing ends of the spectrum to have a voice. I said, I said it to my friend, you can read the Twitter files clearly show the platform working with the deep state intelligence. So they're not really a private company on the terms you argued. Eh, well, yeah, but they can still what they want, do what they want. I said, well, yes, of course, they can do what they want or they can now do what Elon wants. Um, you know, if that's how takeovers work and other people buy companies. Um, but what that means is that Twitter... Uh, would you say the same argument like about the Russian state newspaper Pravda, which is just an instrument of the state, an organ of the state? Of course they can do what they want. Of course Pravda can do what they want. I have one framed and hanging on my wall behind me. Um, Czech Republic um, edition of Pravda from 1956, I, if I am not mistaken. Um, but of course they can do what they want. But it's called propaganda, is it not? How we reframe the argument um, is important or how we frame the argument at the time and then reframe it when somebody um, objects to or confronts us with some new information. But what that means is that you aren't really interested in freedom of speech and what it represents if that's what you do, only in winning and only when your side is winning. But we all have to learn you can't win all the time. Politics is about compromise. It's about consensus. At least democratic politics is in theory. If you don't want the opposition to have a voice, this is called authoritarianism. And the pandemic was the perfect test, at least in my opinion, for all of this. If you had said, mm, two, two and a bit years ago, if you had said, maybe there's some truth in this lab leak theory, you would have been removed, cancelled or banned. If you oppose lockdown, or wondered about the efficacy and you know success rate of vaccines, all three things now if you had questioned any of those three things, even just put your hand up moderately to go, I, hey, something smells a bit weird here. I, what's, I have some questions. You would have been not only pilloried within society, you would have been removed from platforms. Um, all those three things now 
are open for question and the narrative and the conversation has shifted and moved to where all of those three things are now judged in a different light and that is a more critical negative light and people go yeah maybe that wasn't quite right but when i bring up these this conversation with people who supported all of them they of course look world weary at me um, over this but for me there isn't really um there's no what can we say this idea that we should have some sort of amnesty um if you are for example pearl clutching you know which means i suppose being hyper emotionally um upset or whatever um that's not the right uh, description of pearl clutching um i sound like 1950s dad here but what's happening in china um you know with the you've probably seen these images of like these um hazmat suited white almost they look like um you know military police herding people into tiny spaces there and um, blocking people in tower blocks people are wailing out in torment there's now protests on the street um there basically their zero percent strategy is coming to a boil um a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In an insane way, especially in an authoritarian state such as China. But a year ago, there were people who uh, we spoke to openly, you know, I spoke to openly, um, you know, well, maybe not openly, not in the pub if they were going to go to the pub, but you know what I mean. Um, they 
were supporting the building of camps in Europe to send your neighbor over the decision to resist um, coercion or whatever you want to say, or to maybe take a different route with their bodily autonomy. Um, but even though the narrative has changed, there is, of course, I think, no public appetite for a real interrogation of such ideas. You certainly won't get away with not answering um, you know, you certainly won't get away with not answering them if, if, if for somebody who would randomly meet me in the pub or something. What a chore and a bore I must be to chat to. Um, but we haven't gone away, you know, we haven't forgotten. Um, and certainly, as I said, there were people, like I said, there are people now who are going, oh my God, look what's happening in China. It's so terrible. And you sit there thinking, well, that's what you wanted a year ago. You've forgotten that. Hmm. All three of those points... Um, that, yeah, I guess, you know, it did come from um, all three of those points that people go, people might go, well, yeah, maybe I guess now, maybe it did come from a lab. Even Fauci himself kind of admits this. Yeah, lockdown seems to have not really done anything at all. No scientific, no scientific evidence for its success. And it seems that it's directly responsible for so many negative things in its aftermath, whether it's, um, you know, children's education to all of the unseen, untested, unscreened diseases, which are now, um, you know, contributing to a greater daily death rate all across the West. Oh, Alan, stop, 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 stop. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Everyone is tired of these things. And everyone I know ended up getting COVID once, twice. Hell, even some people are going around the, they're going around the ride for the, the third time. I just got a kind of um, a little a little kind of songbird in my head there poked me with some Cinderella lyrics once around the ride, is it? Yeah, you only go once around the ride. Anyway, whatever. Um, I know people who've had it three times now, despite being vaxxed. So, you know, it didn't do what they said it was. And A, Aunt Jean sat on the couch with heart palpitations for a month after and now has crippling myocarditis, which Pfizer have just started quietly discussing as a side effect. So, all of those through three huge narrative structures are now openly questioned. And most people, um, if they thought about it, would quietly go, yeah, maybe there was a point to all of this. And to be clear, I'm not an anti-vax person or anything like that, um, which I've heard from third parties about myself. But mainly that's just because um, during the podcast, I've been skeptical. Um, I was skeptical of the narrative and smelled a bit of a rat. And as I said before, skepticism is the only rational perspective. So, you know, um, if my rational um, perspective, my skeptical perspective has met your emotional viewpoint, well, you know, that's um, when an irresistible force meets a... Well, anyway, this was a year or two ago for some people you know, um, back then would have, was were quite wishing the segregation of society. The 20th century should be warning enough to humans about the wisdom of building camps to separate elements of society based on any structure. And yet, so-called rational, clever people were cheerleading for the idea. So, to me, at least, all three pillars of the argument, which could have had you ostracized from society, are now, in my opinion, long crumbled and disintegrated. But you were not free to discuss these things, and certainly not on Twitter. So if Elon levels the playing field and people are allowed to discuss these things, I mean, ultimately, good, right? Um, I mean, there's an argument which states, and I've heard it from people, look, freedom of speech has to take a backseat when we're in crisis. I mean, that's a very simple way of looking at things. Who defines what the crisis is? Who has created the crisis? What is the crisis? 
um, who's decided to take your freedom of speech to question things away. I don't really accept it as an argument. Um, when a robust a debate was needed about the, um, you know, the efficacy and the potential repercussions of lockdown or a rigorous, rigorous examination of the models, there was none. And asking for one condemned you to be, you know, sent to the outskirts of uh, society, so to speak. But all you have to do is step slightly to the side of that argument to look at it from a different angle and consider who is making money, for example, from the vaccine Big Pharma. Are they beyond criticism? Hell no. No, of course not. So who benefits from a crisis? Who manages the crisis? Disaster capitalism. If someone does and they are not acting with open altruistic benefit to people, which of course they are not. I mean, whoever is doing that, acting in such, you know, um, an expression of altruism that big pharma's only here to help society. No one ever really believes that, do they? Deep down, um, once they scrape away their emotional reaction to all of these things, the transfer of money and power during any crisis should be strictly tested. Of course, the uh, powerful don't want that discussion to be had. So, of course not. It was not. And in fact, speaking out about it got you cancelled or banned. There was no debate. This is Russian disinformation, so stop talking about it. And this is before we even get to the Hunter Biden laptop. Did the Russians hire the laptop repair guy who found it? Hmm. Anyway. So, ultimately... Elon Musk taking over Twitter, I think, is fundamentally a good thing, even if he is a rather confusing um, guy, which, uh, who I think is not above or beyond scrutiny. But certainly, uh, we can see that the Twitter files have exposed um, exactly kind of what people like myself thought was happening in society, that they were weighted very heavily towards um, one certain political bias and leaning heavily on the scales and that the idea that they're just an independent company who can do whatever they want um, doesn't really work, especially not when you're working in conjunction with the instrument and apparatus of the state. And people who um, cheered it all on should maybe, I think, kind of maybe rethink their position because what are they really cheering on? The very authoritarian structures that would um, have them out the door as well as everyone else. Ultimately, now, was Twitter right to ban Kanye? Yes, I'm going to talk about Kanye. I suppose here my faith in absolute free speech was slightly tested. Having watched his appearances on various shows and podcasts, um, what's clear is we're witnessing a man having a manic episode, a genuine mental breakdown. But he has over 30 million followers on Twitter. So how did I feel about him being banned for a while? Was he wrong to post what he did? Um, does it come down to anti-Semitism? It seems like it kind of does. My absolutism um, to qualify is not a 100% theory. I would readily admit that. Nothing is black or white. Shades of grey um, moving through those two positions. It's an imperfect theory, just as most theories are once you apply them to, um, once, uh, you know, human monkeys take them up and start running with them. But as a student of history, and especially the history of authoritarianism, in all countries, from all political backgrounds, the alternative to having free speech, even for the mentally ill, which this man clearly is, um, or those whose ideas we do find abhorrent, the alternative is far more abhorrent. Um, and certainly, who decides who has it or not, the idea that some benevolent, uncompromised moral ethics committee decides 
in our best interest. I don't want someone to decide in my best interest what I can or cannot see or hear. This principle that someone else can make the parameters of what we are allowed to talk about and discuss should scare and genuinely horrify every rational thinking person. That is, unless you can't get over your partisanship. But a few things or observations um, I kind of must make about Kanye um, as it relates to our scene. Why is he, you know, treated differently? Well, we kind of... Something, something that I think really highlights... Um, issues of free speech here is that um, banning someone like Kanye from doing what he did, like going on podcasts or I think is the wrong that's, this is the wrong move in that the more people see exactly what he stands for, they see his inability to literally deal with the um, you know, the human process of interaction with other people to have any single idea and they're not really ideas or uh, you know, challenged Um the to for us to view the insanity firsthand rather than hear about it second, third, fourth hand, um, I think is very important because the disinfectant for bad ideas is sunlight. It's bringing them out into the open. And that's why banning things such as such as trying to ban him from all you know appearances um, is the worst idea. Surely you encourage him to do well more um, or uh, on certain terms. Let's say the more people see. These appearances, the more people will realize, oh, okay, um, this man is having a mental breakdown. And the validity of his ideas, if you, we can call them that, um, his opinions, his belief structure isn't really worth much. And the two rather detestable, um, you know, kind of shit posting trolls that Kanye had with him, Nick Fuentes and Milo Yiannopoulos, um, it, it certainly put the three of them in this kind of ridiculous light and the fact that he managed to have dinner with um, Trump and all this kind of stuff. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then um, just enjoy the sound of my dulcet tones and don't go and look up who these people are because it won't make your life any better. But the whole thing was just such an incredibly um, wild and crazy thing. Um, but it will hopefully contribute to if it goes out, you know, the more the more it gets exposed, the more people see it, they will kind of see, okay, this is really ridiculous. I certainly ain't giving these people my votes for anything or allowing them to be in charge of anything in particular. Or is it just another chapter in the pantomime and entertainment, um, you know, in the political sphere that most people feel they have no ability to have a voice in anymore? I mean, having said all this, uh, on the quite frankly unwatchable last uh, Joe Rogan podcast, where he has the you know the other comedians Shane Gillis, who I usually like quite a lot, Mark Normand and Ari Shafir, um, him and a bunch of other comedians. The last one is kind of unwatchable as they all take mushrooms and it all just goes a bit ridiculous. Um, but they don't go near any of the things uh, Kanye West said. They instead wax lyrical about what a genius he is musically. Yeah, whatever. I don't even know a single song and couldn't care less. Um, and they discuss being filthy rich and never quite get into Kanye saying he kind of liked Hitler. It's just entertainment. But maybe they have it right. Nothing matters anymore. He's just a rich dude who didn't take his meds and clearly is not very bright. Free speech for the dumb, as the title of this podcast says. Um, regardless, uh, what I've heard from many commentators over the past week on the sliding scale was... Doesn't Kanye have any friends, someone to advise him to go, hey, mate, come on, come on, stop, will you? 
It's a good question. It probably points to the fact that millionaires and people like him are often, as seems the case, surrounded by sycophants and yes men and yes women. People who are on the payroll and don't rock the boat. So shouldn't we all feel sympathy for him? And isn't this really about mental health? Oddly enough, an issue that was during lockdown kind of forgotten about uh, by the same people asking us to be sympathetic now. Millions of people, not indulged millionaires, suffered drastic mental health consequences while a section of society wanted more, meh, more lockdowns. The same section now quietly wanted to stand with the Chinese as they protest, 0%, um, which, you know, they 10 or 11 or 12 months ago were asking for, the hypocrisy of which is kind of rank. But now asking us all to forgive Kanye, I mean, who cares? Who really cares? Um, I've thought once, you know, thought, long and hard about the wisdom of doing this podcast but you know episode 138 there's 137 other episodes you can turn it off if you want if you don't care about who any of these people are i get it it's obvious the guy's mentally ill but if you want clemency in this situation for him then remember to apply the same logic in a year when it's eminem or who knows james hetfield or who knows maybe an underground black metal band that you take it face value or you decide to um you know only make the worst faith interpretations of their message. Um, remember that you wanted uh, something different for Mr. Kanye. Anyway, and remember, a few people have actually, um, uh, you know, very few people have actually done what he went and did. I mean, he basically went on Alex Jones and denied the Holocaust, uh, something which is illegal in most countries, before praising Hitler. So I presume there will be people trying to cancel other bands and artists on the same label as Kanye, or is that just for underground metal? I presume he won't be able to play another gig um, without people coming to protest. Or does he get to apologize in a year or two with meds and make his comeback at Lollapalooza and all is forgiven? Certainly, there seems um, there obviously seems a completely different set of rules for him than anyone else. If Tobias from Ghost, for example, um, said anything remotely similar, similar um, I think he would be cancelled. I've been trying to think of something similar, I guess, in mainstream terms, and it must be uh, maybe Britney Spears having a total meltdown. And what happened to her? Wasn't she sectioned um, and then her father given custodianship over her, which she fought to be released from for 15 years? Seems like a huge misogynistic double standard, right? Hmm. Anyway. But Alan, he's one of the greatest artists of the last 20 years. Is he really? I couldn't comment on that. Um, I had zero interest in any of this kind of music and don't no, a single song. This morning I listened to the Amon demos pre-Deicide. Not a single part of me has ever listened to anything like this. Um, although I've known many a punk who's had to ignore the latent violent misogyny of some elements of hip-hop. Um, you know, that they, uh, they would want to listen to this at 3am. Anyway, that's kind of part of the same argument, isn't it? He's certainly still up on Spotify and his music is, uh, is up on other platforms. And I'm not one for supporting him being taken down Either, but it did make me question, however, my stance on free speech a bit, as it felt that he was suspended from Twitter almost for his own good. Was that consistent with the idea of free speech? Mm, not really, but there's no doubt that the principle he has 32 million followers was behind it. But is that the same logic that suspended Trump? Yes and no, I guess. I mean, could Kanye really have a chance of being elected president? The implications are dark, if that's true. Um, but kind of, sort of, not really. And the more people get to see of him, the more likely they re uh, they would realize, okay, this is not even um, in the running. Um, however, him being allowed to do what he just did is, I guess, is the solution. Exposing the man as ill 
and not fit for any kind of purpose other than taking some meds might be for the best. So perhaps stopping him appearing on Tim Pool and Alex Jones would have been worse. Would he have been allowed to make this much of a fool of himself on a left-wing news show? I, I don't know, probably not. But the best disinfectant, as I said, for bad ideas is that they get some sunlight. So here we are. Um, above, observe these parade of morons, these three idiots, including um, Trump. And let's hope they all sink below the waves and we can try and return to the idea that at the very least... Uh, our leaders should have some element of statements, statesmanship. Of course, maybe I'm naive also in saying that. So what am I saying here? I suppose what I'm saying in my usual all-over-the-place, random stream-of-consciousness way is that freedom of speech matters, even for the dumb. Um, of which I can hold my hand up and say, yep, sometimes I have been and sometimes I can be. We all can be, but freedom of speech um, and our rights to it should not be arbitrarily decided by um, platforms, by social media platforms with their finger and the thumb on the scales to move the dial only one particular way um, in society. And certainly, certainly the idea that, um, you know, sort of left-leaning 20-something ideologues can somehow press, press their, you know, press their finger on the button and shadow ban or cancel um, Harvard professors or um, epidemiologists or um, a multitude of medical um, experienced medical voices questioning the efficacy of, you know, let's say, you know, of lockdown, of lockdown, of vaccines, of all sorts of things. And they can just lean on it and and silence people. This should be, um, you know, quite horrifying to people. And as complex as it is. Um, they should be glad that somebody like Elon Musk um, has decided to take over what is, in, a, in essence, the, the biggest platform in the public square um, and try and level the playing field. Now, of course, if you're a 20-something ideologue who believes in the agenda that was, you know, that existed previously, you're not going to like this. But for the greater good, I think this is... Um, probably all things considered, um, well, without a doubt, a far better resolution. Yet, at the end of the day, I would encourage any of you to get rid of your Twitter, to just delete it. I deleted mine um, maybe six or seven years ago, and it was kind of like a weight off my shoulders. Um, and as you go through life now, shedding some of those things can feel like um, a great weight has been lifted. I was tired of, you know, getting into scrapes and arguments about politics, about defending this, defending that, getting up in the, waking up in the middle of the night at 4 a.m. going, I need to get back into the argument and fight this, that and corner and blah, 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 whatever. The best thing Elon could do is just delete the whole thing. Um, but that's not going to happen. So on those terms, again, freedom of speech is the most important directive. So... My friends, Agitators Anonymous, episode 138, is social commentary. I will return to heavy metal next week. Don't take me that seriously. I'm just the dumb singer in a heavy metal band trying to make some sense of the things, and that's many, many things, that I do not understand. Episode 138. See you next time. Over and out.